will get started. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day. Father, thank you that the sun arose again and you helped each one of us to wake up. And Lord, you've given us life and breath. And Lord, even so much more important than these physical bodies, Father, you've given us new life in Christ through the gospel. Father, thank you for that. Thank you that you've saved us into a body and you allow us to come together around your word and you are pleased to help grow us so that we might better glorify you. We pray that is what you would do this morning, Father. We need you badly. Pray for your spirit, Lord, in me, your spirit in each one of us, Father, too, that your word would go forth with truth, with grace, and that, Lord, it would, our hearts would be soft to receive and, and to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, well, go ahead and grab your binder, turn it over. Um, you know, we try, like to start our time together with that, um, to remind ourselves of why we're here. So, our Wellspring purpose is to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ with the Word of God so that they live gospel-transformed lives thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. And we do that with three disciplines. We start with the heart. We've talked a lot about that already this year, and we're going to talk about it more uh, because we never move on from this discipline. It's the foundation, and it's the fuel under everything else in life, especially discipline two and discipline three, the the household and, and ministry. And so our second discipline is the home. It's ministering to those in our household with our heart for God and the gospel and making sure that we aren't leapfrogging, right? Skipping over our homes for the sake of ministry outside of our homes. And then we have discipline three, ministry, in which we do step into the lives of others um, in the church and beyond the church to shepherd others toward God and the gospel. And the idea here is that all three of these are going on all the time, but there's a priority. Discipline two depends on discipline one, and discipline three depends on both discipline one and discipline two being healthy and vibrant and fueled by meeting with God in his word each day. And since our lesson today is on prayer, I thought it might be helpful as we review our disciplines to look at a couple verses that show prayer's role in these disciplines. So go ahead and open up your Bible to 1 Samuel chapter 12. Now Samuel was a good prophet in Israel. And if you have the opportunity, I encourage you to go back and read the whole chapter so you get the context. But here he's talking to the people of Israel, the people whom God has given him to shepherd. They're uh, like his spiritual children. And he says in verse 23, Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. But I will instruct you in the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. That's 1 Samuel 12, 23 and 24. Did I say the wrong chapter? All right. So Samuel understood how important it was to draw near to God in prayer on behalf of his flock, the people God entrusted to his care. 
It would be sin against God for him to not pray for them. And by praying for them, he was ready to instruct them in the good and right way, the way of fearing the Lord and serving him in truth with all their hearts as they consider the great things God has done for them. What an example for us. You know, an essential part of Discipline 1 is prayer. Prayerfully shepherding our hearts toward God through the word of God. And prayer is also an essential part of Discipline 2 and Discipline 3. Praying for those in our lives so that we are ready to instruct in the good and right way. To urge our children or our sisters, or our mothers, our husbands, everyone in our lives, to consider the great things God has done for them. And then to respond to that by fearing him and serving him with all their heart. And we have the platform to do that and to say that as we ourselves are women who are prayerfully shepherding our own hearts to do the same. Okay, so those are our disciplines. And now it's time to start our lesson. We're going to start by looking at Proverbs 15, 8. I think you have it printed in your notes there. The sacrifice of the wicked. Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. By God's grace, believers are counted as upright because they are clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and there is fruit of that righteousness in their lives. We are in the process of becoming more like Jesus. And the prayers of that person delight the Lord. Isn't that amazing that our prayers can delight God? And yet, sadly... Prayer can be so easy to neglect. It's possible to be a woman who reads her Bible regularly. She talks about God and his word and has some appearances of maturity, but not have a regular prayer life. But that is not a healthy sign. How do family members or true friends demonstrate their love for one another or their care, their interest in one another if they don't Talk to each other. Unity and closeness requires communication, both with one another as well as with God. And today's lesson is primarily about talking to God in prayer. Now, God talks to us through his word, right? The Bible is where he's revealed himself to us, but we get to talk to him in prayer. So we're going to begin with looking at some examples from Jesus' prayer life and his teaching. And after that, we'll look at using God's word in our prayers. And then finally, we'll look at some tools that you received in that little booklet that might be helpful. So we're going to start with Luke 5.15. And this week, you have the verses printed in your outline, but you're certainly welcome to uh, look them up and follow along as well. Um, And as we look at Jesus and we look at his prayer life, we're going to see that our sinless Savior, our Master, fully God and fully man, lived in intimate, prayerful dependence and communion with his Father. 
And if Jesus' relationship with his Father was nurtured in prayer, then how much more do we need prayerful communion with our Father? So we're going to start with Luke 5.15. Our context in Luke 5 is that Jesus had been busy healing people, and verse 15 says, the news about him was spreading even farther, and large crowds were gathering to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus himself would often slip away to the wilderness and pray. Jesus is popular, Jesus is needed, and he's busy, and what does he do? He slips away to pray, and he slips away often. It was a habit of his life. He left those needs and those demands and the busyness for a time so he could pray. So how about us? Isn't it tempting when we're busy, busy with good things even? We're serving and we're shepherding and we're working to think, boy, I wish I had time to pray. Now notice Jesus didn't quit his service and his ministry, did he? But still, he would often slip away to the wilderness. That's where he found he could be alone with his father. Now, it's interesting, all of us do slip away from the demands of life, don't we? You know, maybe it's exercise or catch up on Facebook, we watch some TV, grab a cup of coffee. You know, just about all of us have some time to slip away. And those are not bad things to do. But think about the joy, the joy of slipping away to meet our Heavenly Father, to be with Him express our love for him and our need for him. You know, slipping away to the wilderness might not be realistic for all of us, but we're all commanded in Colossians 4.2 to devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. What about finding time alone with the Lord before others are awake or when little ones are napping? I have a friend who slips away by driving to work early and sitting in her car to pray and be alone with the Lord before she goes into work. We might need to slip away from our phone or make use of airplane mode. That's been my latest discovery. You can still use the resources on your phone when you put it on airplane mode and there's nothing coming in yelling at you to turn away from what you're doing. You know, we might need to teach our children to stay in bed a little later or play on their own. You know, many times these distractions are right here. They're our own thoughts, right? Whew, what I have to do today. And it's going to be really helpful. Just keep a notepad there. Jot down that thought. Jot down that verse you want to send to somebody. And then right back to the Lord. Um, And pray, ask him to help you stay focused on him. Whatever we need to do to slip away, to be with the Lord, to devote ourselves to prayer, to be alert and thankful in it, it's worth it. It's worth it. We're entering into the throne room of heaven where Jesus is with his Father, where he wants and even commands us to make our needs known. So let's ask ourselves. You have these questions on your outline. How can I slip away often to pray? D.A. Carson says, much praying is not done because we do not plan to pray. Do you have a plan? Do you have a good place, a good time? Maybe it needs to be a flexible plan. Are there distractions you need to remove that you can remove? 
Are you keeping alert in it? Do you need to pray out loud or on your knees or standing up to help you keep alert and thankful as you devote yourself to prayer? So these questions are here to help us evaluate, to help us grow, to help strengthen our prayer life. And if this is going well for you already, then praise God. Think about how you can persevere and how you can encourage others to also slip away often to pray, to devote themselves to prayer. Well, now we'll look at Luke 6. We'll start with verse 11. And Luke writes, but they themselves, and he's talking about the scribes and Pharisees that he referred to way back in verse 7. They themselves were filled with rage and discussed together what they might do to Jesus. It was at this time when they were figuring out what to do to Jesus that Jesus went off to the mountain to pray. And he spent the whole night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also named as apostles. So here we find Jesus between the rage of the Jewish leaders and right before the calling of his apostles. So this is a really intense time for Jesus. And what does he do? He goes off to the mountain and spends the whole night in prayer. Now how might we respond if people were enraged with us? They were plotting to do us harm. Maybe you've been in that position. Would you be tempted to fear, anger, self-pity, running away, protecting yourself? Jesus responded by spending the whole night alone with his father. And then he went on about the work God had given him to do. How might our responses change if we retreated to our Father first in prayer instead of stewing about it, venting about it, feeling sorry for ourselves? What if we got alone with the Lord first and stayed there till we were ready to move forward in obedience? Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things, as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, in drawing near to the Lord, we find that grace and mercy that we need to forgive, to love our enemies, to turn away from our sinful responses, and to persevere obedience to the Lord. So let's ask ourselves, what do I need to be bringing before the Lord in prayer so that I'm strengthened to continue in humble, trusting service of him? I know that some of you live with real difficulties and that many of you are imitating Jesus in this way by taking your troubles to him and continuing to love and trust and serve and obey him. I want to encourage you to press on. Your example inspires me. And that's such an important example to the body of Christ being built up. Well, let's move along now and look at Luke 10, 
In this chapter, Jesus has appointed 70 men to go out and proclaim the gospel. And in verse 17, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then just a few verses later, in verse 21, Luke writes, At that very time, Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, I praise you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Jesus praises God by describing who he is. And then he continues by describing what God has done, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and have revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. Jesus acknowledged immediately that this work was all of God. And he rejoiced. He praised God. Now in chapter 6, Jesus prayed in the middle of trials, and here, Jesus is praying in the middle of success. And so how can Jesus' example grow our prayer life? Well, let's ask, do I rejoice before God? Do I praise him? Do I remember who he is and what he has done? And then let's ask, is that what I do when things are going well? Do I give God all the credit, all the glory? Do I praise him for how he reveals himself through times of fruitful service? Is God the one I want to celebrate? And again, these questions are here. They're in your notes. They're to help us evaluate, to see where we can grow, to know God even better through prayer. So finally, let's look at Luke 11. short version of what we call the Lord's Prayer, or it might be more accurately called the Disciples' Prayer, and in it he teaches the disciples how to pray. Verse 1 begins, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. So Jesus begins with teaching them to focus their prayers on God himself, setting God in his rightful place. He is their father. He is the one they worship. He is their king. And once they've started with worshiping God, then Jesus teaches them to humbly seek God for their needs. Verse 3 says, give us each day our daily bread. <clears throat> they are to ask God for needs to be met, daily needs. And daily needs need daily prayer. And do you see the plural pronoun, our? Give us each day our daily bread. This is not a self-centered prayer. This is a prayer with a view to the needs of those around us, our family, our church. Verse 4 says, forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Even as Jesus is teaching them to deal with sin in prayer, confessing sin, forgiving others, and seeking God's help for their weaknesses that they not fall into sin's temptation, he's teaching them to pray for others and for one another. Now think about what that does for us on a heart level when we pray. Not only please forgive my sin, but also please forgive my parents' sin, my sister's sin, my kids' sin, my husband's sin. 
I don't know if you have this struggle, but I can feel offended when I'm sinned against. Now that is a sinful response on my part. But sometimes I'm tempted to sin that way. Maybe often I'm tempted to sin that way. But as soon as I pray, forgive us, both me and the person who's sinning against me, there's a whole lot of pride that just comes tumbling down. Just comes tumbling down. It reminds me that we are both sinners. If the other person is a believer, they're in a mixed condition, just like I am. They still struggle with sin, just like I do. And praying for us to be forgiven and for us to forgive and for us to be protected from temptation reminds me that I need God's mercy every bit as much as they do. So looking at Luke 11, let's ask ourselves, is worship central in my prayers? Do I seek him for daily needs, my needs as well as the needs of others? Do I pray about sin for myself and for others? Do I seek forgiveness? Do I forgive? Do I seek help against temptation? Now, if not, why not? What is your heart attitude that's keeping you from these things? Could it be a lack of dependence on the Lord? Pride? Self-reliance? How can you let Jesus' example help you repent and change? Now, we've looked at just four passages, but if we continue to look at Jesus' example in prayer and his teaching and the rest of God's word, it would absolutely blow away any notion that prayer does not matter. Prayer matters to Jesus. He prayed alone, he prayed with others, He rejoiced in prayer. He agonized in prayer. He thanked God. He submitted himself to God. He prayed for others. He prayed for himself. And he still prays for us. Romans 8.34 says, Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Jesus' life is saturated with prayer even as the sinless Son of God. Have you ever wondered why? Why did Jesus pray? Well, this is why. His prayer life was a reflection of his love for God and his closeness to God. What an encouragement for us to press on to know and love and obey God more. And for that to be fed and nourished and expressed through a vibrant prayer life of our own. And as we've looked at these verses, we've asked ourselves a lot of questions. And you'll want to come back and think more about those on your own. You'll find them helpful in answering some questions on your homework. So prayer is certainly a command, and it's also a profound privilege. Okay, so we've looked at Jesus. We've looked at his prayer life. And we've seen the need to slip away and pray that often. We've seen the need to pray in trials and successes. We've seen that prayer includes worship and thanks and confession and intercession or making requests, asking for needs to be met. And we've seen that prayer is something that we do for ourselves as well as for others. But how do we know what to pray? Well, 1 John 5.14 says, I don't know if that one's not printed out, is it? You can turn to that in your Bible 
if you like. First John five fourteen. John writes, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we've asked from him. So we need to know, we need to pray according to God's will, and we find God's will in God's word. So we need to learn how to use God's word, the Bible, to help us pray. Again, quoting from D.A. Carson, he says that using scripture to inform our prayers is how we learn what our Heavenly Father wants and what he expects us to ask for. That doesn't mean that we can't just talk to God. That's what prayer is. It is talking to God. But including God's word in our prayers um, helps us to pray according to his will. It teaches us to pray what's true. Praying scripture isn't something reserved just for elders or people who've been believers a really long time. It's God's means to teach all of us to pray. So let's look at some examples. Turn to Psalm 139. We're going to read the first three verses, and then we're going to look at some examples of how we might use this in prayer. Now, if any of you had kids who went to summer camp, not this summer, but the year before, Omri, um, taught the kids in student ministries to do this, and it was such a helpful tool. He shared it with us for Wellspring as well. So Psalm 139 reads, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thoughts from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. So now we're going to focus in on just verse 1 and how that verse can help us pray. David wrote, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. So we could start, and you have all this in your outline. Make sure you're on, is that page 4? Page 4 in your outline. So you have all these examples we're going to talk about there in your outline. Okay. And so we could begin with confessing or agreeing with God about the truth of the verse. That's what confess means, is to agree with. And we could pray, God, your word says that you had searched and known David, and you have also searched and known me. That's just taking what's in the verse and agreeing with God about it. And now, um, when we go before God and we say, you have searched me and known me, Many times, that's going to bring to light sin that we need to confess. God, in his kindness, searches us with his word. And his word is able to discern our thoughts and our intentions of our hearts. And so as that happens, we need to agree with God about that sin, to confess and repent of it. So again, you have just an example in your notes. We might pray something like, Lord, you have searched and known me, and you know my complaining attitude or my discontentment, or my anxiety, or my fear, or my pride, or my selfishness, or whatever I need to confess. You know, he knows everything. He knows our hurts, too, doesn't he? He knows our challenges. But when he brings sin to light, we just agree with him. You know that. Lord, and then we might pray.
pray the gospel to help us fight that sin. Lord, I'm thankful that Jesus died on the cross so that I can be forgiven and walk in newness of life. I am not a slave to complaining anymore. Instead of complaining, I offer my mind to you as an instrument of righteousness. When I'm tempted to complain today, I will quickly repent and turn to thoughts of thanks to you for your perfect knowledge of me. And I will trust that you're working out my circumstances for your glory and my good. Lord, help me do this by your grace. So that part goes beyond what's in verse 1, but it was prompted by using that verse to examine ourselves. Another way we could pray with this verse is to praise God with it. We might pray something like, your ability to search and know me is amazing. No one else can search and know me like you do. See, the point isn't using the right words. This is not a mantra or something. We're all going to say this differently, but we're praising God for the truth that's found in his word. A prayer of thanks might go like this. Thank you for searching and knowing me. Thank you for revealing this truth in your word so that I can consider and remember the greatness of your knowledge. You know, using God's word like this to inform our thankfulness can really breathe a breath of fresh air into our prayers. Because, you know, if you're like me, I'm a little tired, and I don't have my Bible open, okay, I should thank God. That's an important part of prayer. Okay, Lord, thank you for... And then don't you have a list that you start reading through? My husband, or my kids, my parents. You know, those are bad things. That's not bad. Keep thanking God for those people. But, man, it just really fills your prayers with so much energy and enthusiasm and focus on the Lord when I say, Lord, thank you that you know me like this. Wow. All right. So let's do one more. How about pleading with God from the truth of this verse, praying for ourselves and others? Now, I might pray this for myself. God, help me to believe that you've actually searched and known me the way David believed this. Make me understand how thoroughly you've searched and known me. Maybe I'm praying for a family member, someone in my small group, a missionary. I could pray, God, may the truth that you are God who searches and knows your people bring comfort and inspire holiness in this person's life. For my unsaved friend, I might pray, Lord, save my unfriend. Help her realize that you searched her and you are displeased by the sin you found inside her. Cause her to turn to Jesus for salvation from your displeasure. So those are some examples um, just to show what we mean when we talk about using God's word to help us pray. Now to really start using scripture in our prayer, it's just helpful to practice. The more you do it, the easier, the more comfortable it becomes. And so right now we're going to take an opportunity to do that. And we're going to use Psalm 23 that you looked at in your homework. So first of all, we're going to read Psalm 23 together. Okay, so now, then after we read the psalm, each of us will pick one verse out of the psalm to use in our own prayers. Okay, just like from Psalm 139, we just picked that one verse. You can pick any verse in Psalm 23. Okay, so Psalm Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I think it's page five of your outline. You have a place there. You can pick one verse from that psalm. And then you can choose any of those areas of prayer that are listed there. You don't have to go in order. Um, Yeah, it's page five, I think. And um, so you're going to take one verse, and you're going to write out your own prayer. It can be any of these different aspects of prayer. And just take a few minutes. Remember, even though we're all sitting in here together, we're not off alone. We can't really slip away out of the room. You can still slip away into the presence of God, just you and him as you write that. So pray it to the Lord. Remember, you're drawing near to the Lord and praying to him as you write out these words using words from this song. So go ahead and take a couple minutes to do that. discussion group, perhaps you guys will have an opportunity to share some some of that you wrote, and I encourage you to do that if uh, you're comfortable with that. It just really encourages others to hear. It doesn't, don't you love praying with others, hearing how other people express their love for God in that way? Um, and so now that you've tried this for yourself, you could do it with any verse you want to do it with. You could use a verse that you find in your reading. When you're just reading the word, you can use verses in our little booklet that we'll talk about later. Um, But just remember the whole idea is to let God's word teach us what to say as we draw near to his throne of grace. So we'll go ahead and take our short little break, just maybe five minutes, and when we come back, we'll take a look at what um, the little booklet has inside that you received. And um, like I said, if you will explain the prayer cards more, but uh, if you want to go ahead and pick up some cards, if you, every card you pick up is a commitment to write a postcard and to pray for that person on that date. So pick those up during the break if you like. Okay. All right. We have looked at Jesus' prayer life, and we've looked at some questions we can use to evaluate and strengthen our own prayer life. And we have actually prayed. We prayed. We used God's word, and we went before the throne of God in heaven and took our hearts before him. And so now we are going to walk through this little book that you received this morning. This booklet is like a little toolbox. Does everybody have one? It's exactly like last year's. If you got one last year's and you want to stick with that, you're welcome to do that. If you want a new one, you're welcome. We have plenty. Um, there's more out in the hall. You see somebody else's cover, just cover of her book, and when you start coveting it, you can just walk out for it. <laughs> or you can shepherd your heart away from coveting. I did that. <laughs> But I didn't know that, and then I changed it out, and I thought, oh, I don't care. She didn't care, so I don't care. 
so you can see my book, it's, it's hard, once you start using it, it can be hard to switch. I've got my reading plan here, and I've got sticky notes with, you know, you come home from church on Sunday morning, you're like, oh wait, how many weeks did I just hear? I don't want to forget to pray for those. Go in my book, you know, verses that I, you know, want to write down, my my small group homework, all the things that I need to pay attention to. It's all right there. So we're going to look at these books. It's a toolbox, like any toolbox. Now, I will just tell you that I've observed this. This is not my personal experience, but I think that when people have toolboxes, they don't necessarily get out and use every tool all at the same time. I think they look in there and they find the tool they need and they use it. That seems to be the pattern. Okay, I'm sorry. I just don't really, if I said it personally, I would be misrepresenting myself. I don't do a whole lot with the toolbox. <laughs> sorry. Anyway, so it's the toolbox. And, and so all that to say, it's here as a resource. It's here to help you shepherd your heart, to help spur you on in your prayer life, to help you care for others maybe help you care for others, and there's going to be different things that are useful to you at different times. So I want to go through and help you be familiar with it so you can use it or encourage others with it in whatever way is helpful, at the right time in the right way. Um, so don't feel like, you know, all the Godly Women of Grace Bible Church pray with these pages every day. <laughs> okay? This is not going to become like, you know, some click thing or whatever. You know, it's not like all the girls who show up at small group with their booklets or their really spiritual ones. <laughs> they're probably the ones who didn't pray all week and kind of... <laughs> we are not going to judge each other over this. That's what I'm saying. So just use it however helps you. I just want to give that disclaimer right up front. Because I, I just... You know, I probably, it's just my rebellious heart. I'm sitting there and someone's telling me how awesome something is. In my heart, I can start thinking, well, I've been doing just fine all these years without it. So why do you all of a sudden think I need this new gizmo? You know, well, maybe you don't. Maybe you're doing great. But it's here. It's a tool. I want to introduce you to it, and then you can use it in whatever way helps you. You just got a whole lot more glimpse into a simple heart of Sarah. <laughs> okay. All right. There will be a PDF of it on the website that you can put on your phone if you find it more helpful to have it right there where you can pull it up that way as long as that doesn't become a distraction for you. I'll be distracted by the word of God. That would be a good thing, right? Okay. Okay. So where the world that wasn't probably written in here. No, that was awesome. <laughs> And then page two is letting God's truth help us pray, and there are examples. And so there's several pages here that are just um, like what we went through together, what we practiced together. And sometimes when we do something for the first time, we do it and we go, that's not so bad. I could do that. And then we get home and we open up our Bible and we go blank. How in the world did that work again? So here's some examples. And if this is new to you and it's helpful to look at how somebody else has taken God's word and turned it into a different particular kind of prayer, then, then look at these and, and use them to help teach you how to use God's word to pray. They're just there to encourage us. You could encourage someone else with it, maybe. Um, and then you get to these pages on page 7 and 8, and they say some focal points in our heart shepherding prayer. Oh, wait, no, I skipped a page, didn't I? Mm -hmm. Page 6. Page 6 is preparing to meet with God in his word. Now, opening up our Bible and drawing near to God in prayer may not always be what we want 
to do in the moment, in our flesh. We may not feel like doing it. In that moment, there might be a lot of other things that seem way more important, way more urgent, way more pressing, way more desirable. Maybe it's sleep. (laughs) Maybe it's rest. Maybe it's getting things done. I've got this big long list of things to do and I need to get going with it. Um, And so this is a list of verses that can help settle our hearts, that can help warm our hearts to drawing near to God in his word and prayer. They remind us of why we're doing that. You know, when it's cold outside, the nights are getting colder now, aren't they? And pretty soon people can get their fire pits out. I think some people are doing it already. I smelled smoke last night. I thought, it's a little warm yet. (laughs) I need to drop off a few more degrees. And then it's going to be cold outside. There'll be a fire over there. And we're outside and we're cold. And we think, oh, that fire looks really good. We go over the fire. Why do we go over the fire? Isn't it warm? warm. That's right. It's warm. Not because we were warm already. We weren't warm off over there away from the fire. And in the same way, we open up our Bible. There can be times we're not warm to begin with. But we open up our Bible, and it warms us. It warms our heart. It reminds us of why we're there and why we need to be there and how much we want to be there. I just couldn't remember a minute ago. My head was on the phone. (laughs) And so this is a list of verses that you can use just to get your heart, prime your heart, prime the pump, start warming up your heart, reminding yourself why you're coming. Right there in the middle of the page, Psalm 119.18, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. I need to remember that God is a God who will answer that prayer. He wants to open my eyes, and he wants to show me wonderful things, wonderful things in his word. This is these verses are just a, a start. You could use your Wellspring songbook. You could make use of this chart. This is just full of wonderful gospel truths that warm our hearts as we draw near to God. You might want to use a book of prayers like Valley of Vision, the Gospel Primer. There's lots of wonderful resources, but it's really helpful to take that time to get our heart warmed up. Okay, now we're on this next page, page 7 and 8, where we see some focal points for heart-shepherding prayer. And we saw a lot of these when we looked at Jesus' example and his teaching in Luke. Um, and these lists are here because it can be helpful to look over these categories from time to time. And we might see an area of prayer where we'd like to grow, where we need to grow. Where it might be helpful to look at some scripture to help teach us how to pray more effectively in that area. And we'll talk more about how we might incorporate this um, as we look at the next section. Um, But first, let's just make sure we understand what's meant by each of these facets. So first, we have praising God. And we practice that, right, with Psalm 139. This is about worshiping God for who he is. And the only place where we get a true understanding of who he is is in his word. Um, so using God's word helps us to worship him in spirit and in truth because we're using the truth of his word. And these are some references that can help us do this. And this is just getting us started. As you read, do your Bible reading, you're going to find lots and lots of verses that you can use to praise God. You might want to add them here or on the next page where there's some blank space. Um, okay, another focal point for heart shepherding prayer is battling sin. 
Romans 8.13 says, If you're living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Very active. You are putting to death the deeds of the body. You will live. And rehearsing truth about sin in prayer is a powerful tool to help us put to death the deeds of the body. So we have many references here to help us pray. Um, First, you see uh, verses about sin's offensiveness to God. We need to remember that our sin angers and grieves our Savior. And then there's also verses about sin's power to entangle us. Now remember what the gospel has done. The believer has been set free from slavery to sin. Praise God for that. But sin can still entangle. We can be tripped up by it and overwhelmed by it. That's our mixed conditions. Very different than what we were before, right? Where it just ruled us and we didn't care. But this present condition is one in which we must not forget that sin still is powerful to entangle us. Next, you see there are verses about sin's danger. Sin is dangerous. Jesus said it's better to radically amputate sin than to go to hell. Sin is not a toy to play with. It's not just a mistake. Sin can kill us. Apart from Jesus, we would perish in hell forever because of it. So agreeing with God about sin's danger helps strengthen us in this battle for holiness. Um, Next, we see verses um, that remind us that my sin is deceptive to me. Sin deceives us like this. You know, we we tend to think, well, it's not that bad. Um, You know, I'm I'm in control of this. I'm on this. I'm not going to let it entangle me. It doesn't hurt anybody. So sin easily deceives us about the seriousness of our sin. So if we don't fight to have Scripture's view of our sin, we will easily be taken in by sin's deception and be unconcerned about sin's nearness to us. We'll be vulnerable to sin's entanglement. Sin will become tolerable to us, even desirable to us. Before we know it, we become weaker and weaker toward our sin. We easily become protective of our sin and even justify our sin. You know, if we do nothing, our view of sin only grows cloudy. just grows dim. So there's a huge protection against sin and strength for battling sin in agreeing with God about the nature of sin on a regular basis, maybe daily, maybe weekly, maybe monthly, um, reviewing what is true about sin from his word or looking for it when you're reading and just agreeing with him in prayer about that. Um, There are some more verses here that just talk about sin in general, and then you have a section that says repenting of sin. And those verses help us identify sin. They help instruct us in confession and repentance, and they help us identify not only what we need to turn away from, but also what it is uh, that change would look like. Um, And then any time we're dealing with sin, we need to keep the gospel close at hand. And so you see verses there for rehearsing the gospel. Now why would we want to do that? Why do we preach the gospel to ourselves? We preach the gospel to ourselves because it's God's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ that has made us acceptable in his sight. It's the power of God for us who are being saved. 
Rehearsing the gospel over and over allows us to prayerfully communicate to God that we love his work in our life through Jesus, that we're earnest to grasp and understand more completely his love that's expressed in the gospel. And if we stagger today under our weight of sin, maybe we're discouraged, the gospel will lift us up. It reminds us of our hope. And if we're in a moment of, of fruitfulness, you know, things are going well, then rehearsing the gospel will lead us to humbly acknowledge that all the credit goes to God. In both instances, our thoughts and our hearts are drawn near to Jesus. So there are verses here, and again, this Transformation of Man um, pamphlet is just full of verses that can help us preach the gospel to our own hearts, can help us rehearse the gospel in prayer. Um, and then next you see thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a command. It's commanded over and over again in Scripture. Um, it can be so easy to skip, to neglect, to get in a hurry. But it's commanded. And it offers protection. Protection against anxiety, discontentment, complaining. Philippians 4, 6, and 7 say, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, but means you know, instead, in contrast with being anxious, in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That is a mighty promise, is it not? And it leads, links thanksgiving with our prayers as we battle anxiety. So those, these are some verses here, again, just to start, that can help us cultivate prayerful thanksgiving. And then finally, we have praying for myself and others. This is where we lay needs and burdens before the Lord and express our reliance on him. Somebody, one of you lovely ladies sent me a quote this week I want to share with you. Charles Spurgeon said, intercession is an honorable service. It's an ennobling thing that a sinner like yourself should be allowed to entreat the king for others. Think about that. That is what we're doing in prayer. We're allowed to entreat the king of kings for one another. That's amazing. And so these are some verses that help give us some direction on how to pray, how to entreat the king, um, how to pray according to God's will. Now, on the next page, there's some space there to record additional verses that you might find in your reading that you would want to use. Um, and then before we move on, I want to take a minute to talk about how do we stay on top of all the things we want to be praying for as we talk about praying for others. Um, you know, we certainly can and should pray for people as they come to mind throughout our day. I had heard one mom say um, that she she's fully close. She prays for that child and she folds his clothes. Isn't that just precious? Um, in 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says pray continually and um, that, that's what that is that's the kind of prayer that happens as we go about our day maybe we're taking a walk or we're washing dishes, we're driving um, and it's just a precious way to redeem those moments we have throughout our days to draw near to God and to care for one another in just an unseen way but it's also very helpful to have a plan, to have something that helps us be systematic to be faithful in praying for those needs of those around us. Now, I will admit, again, 
full disclosure, there are times when I've taken down prayer requests, you know, for a small group, we're writing down those prayer requests, and they're taking down those prayer requests, and that little paper gets tucked in the back of the something, the bag or the purse or wherever, and it never surfaces. And I show up at small group next time and think, oh, I didn't pray for these friends, these sisters, these people I love so much. And so having a plan can just help us to be faithful. So I want to share a few ideas. Maybe you already have something that works really well with you and you want to share that when you get to discussion group. Um, but one way would be to think of the different kinds of people that you want to pray for, your small group or the families in Papua New Guinea perhaps, your elders, the people you work with, um, and then just assign a day of the week to each group. And on Mondays, you always pray for the people in your small group, for example. And the um, prayer book has something like that organized that way. And then you could have a, a separate list that you pray for daily, more immediate needs. Maybe it's that sticky note you make when you get home from church on Sunday or your own family. Um, so that would be one way to organize it. You could use index cards. You could put it in a journal. You could put it on a calendar. Um, Kate recently showed me a cool prayer app that she's using to organize and, and be systematic about being faithful in her prayer. So there's lots of tools out there. If you need help figuring out what's going to work for you, talk to your discussion leader, talk to Lori or me. Uh, we'd love to help you get something figured out. Um, okay, and then another way, and this is uh, shared with me by a girl in my small group, rather than praying for groups of people, you know, all the people in my small group on Monday maybe, all the people in Papua New Guinea on Tuesday or however you want to do it, she takes all those people and she makes she lists them out by name, and then she alphabetizes them. So they're all mixed up. They're not just all one group of people. And then she decides how many people she can pray for meaningfully each day. Maybe she decides, you know what, I have time. I can pray meaningfully for five people each day. So she takes the first five people on the list, and she prays for each of them by name. And she said that that has really helped her to pray more specifically. She's not mm -hmm. just praying Lord, help all the girls in my small group spend time in the Word this week. Lord, please help my elders have wisdom. Those are great prayers. Please pray those. But instead, she sees a name, and she says, Oh, I'm praying for Sarah. She's going to be out of town this week, and her kids are home by themselves. I'm going to pray for them. Whatever the need is, whatever she knows about that individual person. Um, so that's just another way to do it. And then she takes five more the next day and five more the next day. And however many days it takes her to get through it, it allows her to pray really meaningful, meaningfully for each individual. So that's just another suggestion um, that, again, might just invigorate your, your prayers for one another. Okay, the point, again, is not how we do it, but just how can we cultivate faithfulness, drawing near to the throne of grace on behalf of one another. So let's keep looking at our booklet. Um, what you have beginning on page 11 um, is a two-page spread for each day of the week. And then there's verses printed out um, to help us pray. So if I were going to use what's here, then on Sunday I'd turn to my Sunday page and I would use the verse that's printed here. I'd read it. I could pray through it. I could use that to get me started with expressing my own worship towards God and my desire for God. 
and then I can go through and there's some prompts there to help us remember what do I want to be rehearsing when I am talking about prayer to God I want to remember that oh yeah my sin's offensive to God it's deceptive and so forth and again there's a verse there to help us think biblically about sin about confession and to get us prompted in our own time of dealing with our sin before the Lord in prayer there's a verse to help us rehearse the gospel to prompt us in our thanksgiving to prompt us in our prayer um, for things that are more daily prayer needs like maybe our household and special needs and then the last thing for each two's page spread is says praying weekly and you'll see there's a different area of prayer for each of the seven days here i'm looking at sunday right now and it has small group listed um, and of course you can certainly adapt that if the categories here are not the category you want to pray for then use sticky notes I should have those as, as a special Christmas gift. They're really just a package of sticky notes. Um, anyway, and, and, and put what it is you're going to pray at that time, or put the names of the people in your small group. Make sure you don't skip anybody that's early and you're not as sharp as you might otherwise be or something. Okay. Um, if, if, again, it's a tool to use as you want. Using the whole thing might be really helpful to you. Or maybe you just realize, you know what, I... I really would like a prompt to help me um, in my time of Thanksgiving in my prayer. So I'm going to just make use of this little section for a while. And that's that's going to help me focus more on thankfulness. However you find it to be useful. Okay. Um, I think the next page is about Titus 2. Does that look right? That would be over on page 25 and 26. That's going to go with the lesson that we have coming up. You're free to look at that on your own before then. And then page 27, 28, 29, 30 also go with the lesson we'll have in a couple of weeks. Ann Angstead will be here to teach us that lesson. And uh, if you've heard the gray and blue circles, that's your little sneak preview if you haven't heard that lesson yet. Okay. And then we turn to a page that says, what is repentance? Now, Tom Angstead, he's uh, one of our elders. He's a biblical counselor. And he encouraged us to include these pages, the two-page spread on what is repentance by J.C. Ryle. Mm -hmm. And he has found that a lot of times people get really discouraged in their repentance. Um, and in some cases, it's because they just don't have a good understanding of what repentance is. And this is a tool that can help with that. Um, it's something that... This is something that you're really going to take some time to chew on. If, if repentance is an area that you really are wanting to grow in, um, or you see a need, a weakness there, I would encourage you maybe just take one of these bullets a week even and just review it, pray about it, chew on it, think about it, uh, because these words are, are dense. Um, we won't read the whole thing together, but just to give you a taste, let's read the first one together. It says... Repentance begins with the knowledge of sin. Sin is essentially our futile attempt to dethrone God for being our highest pursuit, our highest love, our highest joy, our highest delight. Sin is substituting primarily ourselves in God's place as our highest pursuit, love, joy. And that could be in our thoughts, our words, our attitudes, our deeds, our desires, our relationships, or our emotions. Repentance begins with understanding this. 
draw near you, to come before your throne of grace, to bring to you our worship, Lord, our worship is even so weak, so inadequate of what you deserve, but you allow us to bring it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you allow us to bring all of our cares before you. Thank you for this time together. I pray that, um, Lord, as we wrap up and we go to discussion group, that you would continue to use us in one another's lives to encourage and spur one another on. In Jesus' name. Okay, before we split up, I just want to explain our application. First of all, reminder in the homework, there is a question there that you will benefit more from if you start early. So take some time to read those questions this weekend so you can be thinking about it before uh, Friday night in a couple weeks. Um, and, but our way to apply what we're doing is with some PNG prayer cards. Now, as part of your handouts today, you should have gotten a little slip like this stapled to a larger sheet that has addresses for all the families who are in Papua New Guinea. So, as you all know, we our church has sent three families to Papua New Guinea as missionaries, and in order for them to take the gospel to a very remote tribe, they need to have houses to live in, and those houses are not finished being built. The men in Papua New Guinea are going to go for about three and a half weeks, uh, beginning the 1st of November. And so that means their families, each of their wives and each of their children, there are three women and nine children, um, will be on their own in Medang for that time. Um, And so our application here is to pray for them and to encourage them. Um, There are postcards out in the hall. I've already told you about them. You've maybe already picked some up. Um, And to each postcard, there's a tag with a name, um, the age of that person, if it's a child, and then a date. And the date has the day of the week. The day of the week is there if you're looking at this table full and you're thinking, I don't know which one to pick. And then you think, oh, wait, I better not pick Friday because I have to be gone early on Friday. I don't have as much time. I'll do it on Sunday afternoon. So I want Sunday cards or whatever. Um, But the commitment for, I I hope you pick up lots of them. And I have more than what are out. There's over 300 cards because there's a card for every child and mom for every day from November 1st to November 26th. So this is a big commitment for the ladies in Wellspring. The ladies on Thursday are doing it as well. So for every card you pick, take this little tag, clip it to the cover of your Bible or your calendar or wherever it is that you will remember, put a reminder in your phone to pray for that person in particular. I have Knox Lehman, age 3, on November 22nd. And all I have to think is, okay, here's a little three-year-old boy. This is his mom and his brother and his sister. And his dad's been gone for over three weeks now. Wow. First of all, I'm going to say, God bless his mother. (laughs) (laughs) And then I'm going to say, Lord, would you help this little boy not to feel lonely and sad that his dad is gone? And will you help him to obey his mommy? And will you give him a good way to burn all that energy he has? It's a blessing to his mom and his brother and his sister. You know, you just have to think about who you're praying for for just a minute, even if you don't know them. And the Lord is going to help you know how to pray. You can pray God's word for them. You can ask me or Lori if you need more specific ideas. Um, You can check their blogs. Facebook pages will give you some ideas. Um, You can email the moms. You have the contact information. Um, Their time for email is limited, so be gracious. You might not hear back from them. But you might, and so feel free. They love getting emails from us, so don't let that be a hindrance to you reaching out to them. They love to hear from you. So you get your card, and on that day, I'm going to pray for little Knox Lehman. 
and, the, and then you have a postcard. And I want you to write a postcard to whoever your card is. I'm going to write a postcard to Knox. And I, you can mail that anytime. That's a little different than your instructions. I had said wait and mail it when you pray. If we start mailing them now, they'll have them. Um, maybe when the, they'll start getting them sooner, which will just be a blessing for them. So it's a postcard. You can write on the, this side. You can write on this side. If you want to do this with your children, with your grandchildren, you can have them draw a picture, however you want to use this. And then the addresses are there on your contact sheet. Go ahead and address it. And you can mail it yourself. If you mail it yourself, you need $1.20 worth of U.S. postage. Any kind of stamps will do as long as they're U.S. postage. Um, or if that's a, if, if you would rather bring it back to me, I'll make sure they get mailed. So that's entirely up to you. You can mail it yourself or you can bring it back to me. Um, and, and that, oh, and then the last thing is on the day that you pray for them, if you could also send a Facebook message or an email to them, you can send it to the kids via the moms. Um, the kids get such a kick out of getting an email. Uh, Benaya Dodd's birthday was yesterday. He turned eight. And I sent him an email, and I've known Benaya since he was born, and we were in small group with Benaya. You remember Benaya? What question does Benaya always ask? How was your week? Yes. <laughs> how was your week? Benaya always asks, how was your week? Or sometimes, so now, now he's older, and he'll say, what's been the best part of your day so far? Yes, that's right. <laughs> Benaya said to me, highlighted my trip to there, I asked him, what, what's the last thing you want to do before I go home? He's saying, oh, like one more day, what can I do with you? He goes, I want to have a long talk. <laughs> so I sent him a long email for his birthday, and he sent me a long email back. It was just so precious. So, you know, you might not hear back, but you might. And they just love hearing about our lives. One of the things they said that it's a, it's, they said, we don't want to be selfish, but we write these prayer letters, and we try to share what's going on with our kids, and, you know, what God's teaching us. And, and then, you know, we get a lot of responses that are like, hey, thanks, I'll be praying. It's awesome to get an update. But it's like, but what are you doing? <laughs> what are you learning from the word? And, you know, did your grandkid just learn how to walk? And your daughter had a baby? And, you know, whatever. Just share with them. I went to the beach for vacation last week with my friends. You know what? They've got a beach right outside their door. That's fine. You can tell them about your beach. Um, anyway, so that, that's a great thing. But the primary thing is pray for that person on that date and write a postcard. Um, How long does it take for the mail to uh, get there? About two or three weeks. Two or three weeks. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I just would love for this to all happen. So please take a lot, um, but please follow through with every one that you take. If you if something comes up and you can't, or they fall out of your bag when you get in the car and they slide under the seat, three weeks from now you pull them out and you go. <laughs> 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 oh no. Go ahead, and send them, go ahead and send them to it anyway, or bring them back to me. I would gladly do them. No one's going to oh, judge anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So we can send, say we find a cute postcard in the store we like to send. It's fine. We don't have to send. Absolutely. Right. Okay. In fact, any one ounce postage, you know, regular card, letter, envelope kind of size thing is $1.20. So you can use this postcard. You can send your own card, letter, whatever you want to do. Um, any, so, any questions about that? Okay. Um, hold on. One last little last word. Uh, okay, that's it. <laughs> <laughs>